to be asked, what do you need to do to get a pay raise, what would you say? Like, if you wanted more money in your job or career or whatever, what are some of the options? How could you go about that? Online, you can type some stuff in. Any thoughts? More responsibility. So being better at your job. Ask. Like actually go and ask for more money or a pay raise or something else. What what else? What are some other ideas? Do what? Like making a case. Or like here's all the things that I've done and why you should give me more money. Yeah. What else? More training. Become more qualified. So you want to make more money. Well, a couple more, I, I think of like a job change, right? Like you could actually shop yourself out, find a different job that's going to pay you more. What about spending less? When I, 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 like that doesn't come to mind right away, right? When we think about, I need a pay raise, I need to do whatever I can to get more money. And oftentimes, like if we actually sat down and went through the whole thing, we could give our pay ra- ourselves pay raises like right now, very quickly. It's like, I'm going to drink nine less Starbucks a month. Now I have like an extra $1,000 in my bank account. Like, I mean, like you do the math on things like that. But there's ways in which we can get a pay raise that actually means less of something. But, and again, like intuitively we think of more. We need, we need more of something. And I wonder how that plays out in relationships. Where when we, we want more help in a relationship, we want a relationship to go better, we, we want things to be overcome, we want things to be fixed, oftentimes it's like, I need to do more, I need to, I need to fix more, I need to become more, I need to enter in and press in more, I, we can have this mindset of more. But I wonder if there's space where we can have a mindset of less in relationships, and how it might actually benefit. As we wrap up our sermon series today, which we've been calling Counterintuitive Connections, and we've been calling it Spiritual Wisdom for Messy Relationships. Because I'm sure at any point in our lives, we find ourselves in different messy relationships. And the reality is, even if we just look at the ones that we're even just born into, our family systems, um, our siblings, parents, grandparents, whatever it is, and then you look at the ones you've kind of chosen in ways, but your, your friends, um, the, those that you participate in work, uh, whatever else it is, they're messy at different points for different reasons. And as we navigate those, we've wanted to look at ways in which we seek spiritual wisdom for our relationships, but it oftentimes feels counterintuitive. Kind of like the, I can get more money by doing something less. And I wonder again if we can grow in our relationships by actually doing less. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to turn to the book of Matthew. We'll have it up on the screen here. And I want you just to maybe even just take a moment before I read this. And like, what's a relationship that's sticky for you right now? What's a a relationship that is a little bit challenging, that you're just trying to navigate, that there's tension in? Um, Whatever that looks like for you, I think we all can, can define relationships differently when we think of them being messy. But just if you take a moment... And maybe if you don't have someone right now, who is someone in the recent past? Because that person that might come up again. Think about that. Who are you in a sticky point in with your relationship? Or who is in the recent past? And now with that person in mind, let's move in. So Matthew 10, 11 to 14, 
The disciples have been hanging out with Jesus. They've been following around. He's doing all of these things, all of these miracles. Uh, he's breaking down gender, socioeconomic, ethnic barriers. He's just doing a ton of things that not everyone understands what he's up to. And he gets to this point, and he tells them to now go do what I have been doing. And go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, and remember that you have freely received, so you can go and freely give. And then it says here, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. The home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. We can leave this up for a minute. The disciples have just spent a good amount of time now following Jesus, seeing all these like crazy cool things happen that are just blowing their mind left and right. And they're not fully sure what's happening, but I bet when he says, hey, go, go do these things, there's a couple things that come up. One is like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, like we, we like when you do the stuff and, you know, we kind of hang out and, you know, we get some accolades because we're tagging along with you and, you know, all those things. Like, we, we, this is your job. We're, we don't need to go do these things. So they, they start to kind of feel confronted by that. But then there's the other piece of like, wait, I thought we were sticking together. Like, like, we are now going to be on our own, not with one another, and going and talking to other people about these things. Now, it was still within their community, their ethnic uh, culture, um, but there are a lot of questions that come out of there. And then he prepares them that with this. If anyone will not welcome or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off of your feet. The thing that I have experienced, the thing that I have seen change lives, the things that I fully believe in and want everyone to experience. Wait, hold on. If they don't welcome or listen to my words, I just go on. I, I, I just move along to the next person. But, like, they need to get it, though. They, they need to understand what I've been experiencing. They need to understand what I believe. That's how I feel in this situation. It's like, wait, what do you mean just move on? How, how, how do we just navigate to the, the next place? And a lot's happening here where if you think about it, this, the idea of this 12 being sent out, a lot of what God is doing here is before, if we look at Israel, God was sending through the 12 tribes the work of redemption. This was his way of showing the work of redeeming the world. And now what he's doing by sending 12 out, he's actually saying, I am doing the work of redeeming through you. And it's happening through relationships. It's happening through going and being amongst people in their homes. And then trying to navigate the challenges of these relationships when we don't see things the same. When, 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 th when people do not agree with you or want to believe what you are saying or whatever it is. So why is it so hard for us in our relationships, the ones that are sticky, um, but in all of our relationships, even, I mean, you take marriage, you take family, you, whatever it is, why is it so hard for us just to kind of move on if they aren't ready to receive us? If they aren't ready to receive all that I give to the relationship, if they aren't ready to receive every quality that I have that benefits them, 
if they aren't ready to receive the wisdom that I'm going to give them on how to do it right, if they aren't ready to receive the right way of believing or doing something, why is it so hard for us to just kind of say, okay, well, they're not going to welcome my words or listen, so I'm actually just going to kind of shake the dust off my feet and move on home. Now, there's a lot of nuances in here. I'm not saying in your marriage that when your spouse doesn't agree with you, you're like, you know what, okay, I'm going to move to the next house. Right? It kind of breaks down a little bit. But what if backing away, what if doing less was something that we could take from this? So we all live with anxiety. Um, you know, we talk about emotional health a lot in regard to discipleship because I think it matters. And Jesus is fully human, and we are fully human. And there's intricacies that play into this piece, but anxiety can be defined in two ways. There's, there's chronic anxiety and there's acute anxiety. Acute anxiety is when we hear, you know, say a, a bus slam into a light pole out front. We respond immediately. We run down and we go make sure everyone is okay. Right? Acute anxiety is very helpful so that we, we can respond to things. Chronic anxiety is the anxiety that we do not see. It's the, it's the, the current that is under, just swimming underneath us in our lives. And we don't oftentimes know why it's there. And we don't oftentimes know why we respond the way we do to things. But oftentimes it's attached to our chronic anxiety, which has mostly been formed by past experiences in our life. And what happens with this is when we, we, when, we, when we hear things, when things happen to us, when situations occur, it's our chronic anxiety that oftentimes tells us danger. Or we protect ourselves because I feel like something bad is about to happen. Or um, I respond in a way because I'm fearful of this event happening. Or whatever it is, the chronic anxiety is what kind of runs us. It's, it's running with blood in a way. So in this, I think about this. When you're in a relationship and you, the sticky relationship that you're in, and you want what's best for it. You want to correct them, you want to fix them, you want them to see the good that you can bring into the relationship. And then maybe the words come along of like, I just need some space. I don't know about you, but oftentimes, like if I was to hear the words, and I've heard it in my past, if I hear that I need space, I automatically start thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done? What have I done wrong? Or oh, this, this relationship, is now in danger of ending. Or I start to question my worth in the relationship. Am I not good enough for this relationship anymore? And we start to respond off of this chronic anxiety when people don't agree with us. When they don't want to hear the things that we're telling them. Whatever is going on inside the state, the differences that are happening, we respond in different ways. And they oftentimes look like this. One is conflict. That the, the chronic anxiety tells me that I need to now press into conflict. If someone disagrees with me, I need to bully them into believing the way I believe. I, I need them to see things the way I see them, and I'm going to do whatever it takes, even to the point of violence, for others to see it the way I see it. The opposite of that is distance. This relationship is hard. This is not working. You do not agree with me. And you know what? I, I, I can't even engage. I cannot have a conversation with. I need to now fully pull away from this relationship and cut it off. 
I, I cannot handle the idea that you will not hear what I have to say. I cannot handle the idea that you will not see it the way that I see it. Another one, we got two more here, over-functioning and under-functioning. And a lot of this has to do with personality types also, but one is that I am now going to over-function and start taking responsibility for other people's lives. I am going to try and fix everything and do everything and change everything. I'm going to wear and own even their emotions within this. And the other side of that is under-functioning, where those wearing of those emotions actually looks like a, a, in a different way of pulling away. That I'm going to completely retract who I am in this relationship because I cannot stay in relationship when someone disagrees with me. I cannot stay in relationship when someone says, hey, I just need some space. I cannot stay in a relationship when someone says, man, you have some good qualities, but I do not need those right now for whatever is going on in that relationship. And then the last one is triangling. This is where we tend to just pull other people into our relational messes and we create triangles. Oftentimes that starts to look like gossip and we start to just flush out our relationship with other people. The one that's had a challenge we now bring to other people and we push our anxiety onto them. And I bring all of this to say really simply that these are the things underneath all of us that if we're not aware of, we're all responding and challenging relationships. That when we don't see eye to eye with those that are closest to us, when, when, when we disagree, when they disagree, when they're not living the way they should be living, when they're not doing the things I expect of them, whatever it is, you just go through the entire list of why your relationship is sticky. And then you ask yourself, am I doing any of these? Because if you are, this means that we're not able to just to say, okay, peace with you. We are two separate people. I'm going to be self-differentiated, meaning I'm going to still pursue this relationship. I'm going to hold to this relationship, even though there's this friction, even though we don't see things the same. So we ask ourselves, are we, are we doing any of this? Because you have to first be aware if we're ever going to step into it and diagnose it. And these are the things that we just respond not even knowing it. Not even knowing it. And I think overall, a big part of this, I know for me in my life, is that, again, just, just using that phrase, I don't think we use it all the time in our sticky situations, but even just that idea of I need space, again, I go back to it, it starts to confront my self-worth in the relationship. If I'm not needed in this relationship, if you don't see everything that I have to offer, I very quickly start to respond in different ways. Because I need to prove my worth in this relationship. I need to prove that I have good advice for your life. I need, to, I need to prove that I can think logically through tough situations and give great advice. Right? I, I, all the things that I feel like I bring to the relationship, when they say, you know what, I don't need that right now, I start to question myself. I start to question my being, and again, I start to respond here. So with all of that said, and I just get to this point, relationships are a dance. There are times in relationships where we need to press in. There are times in relationships we need to give every good quality that we have. We need to give the best of what we can to the relationship. There's also times in relationships when we need to pull back. Where we need to do less and trust that if they are requesting whatever it is, 
Sometimes that's distance. Sometimes that's space. Sometimes that's time. But sometimes even as qualities of ourselves. I know when Caitlin wants to process something out loud, I get in trouble all the time because I want to fix it and give her advice. And she's like, that's not why I see you this. Can you just shut up and listen? And oftentimes I'm like, no, I can't help it because this is what I do. And then it goes into this thing of like me questioning my worth and trying to overfunction. Like it happens so quick. But can we be okay with just this dance? And that's all, really what I want to highlight is that in all of these conversations around relationships, the things that we've been navigating week in and week out is that relationships are a dance. And that we are dance partners. And that means that there's sometimes we go with, or sometimes we lead them, or sometimes we move to the left, sometimes we move to the right. They are not just one fixed thing that the same thing we need to do is the same thing over and over again. It's a dance. So we're going to play this video. Tej, where's Beth? She stopped texting me back. She specifically told me not to tell you. Oh, boy. Tej, I need you. know Malik showed me a video of Janelle calling Jennifer Mama? She's driving from Boston every weekend, five hours each way. It's not sustainable. And Malik knows it's stressing me out. He knows it. But he also knows not to push me to talk about it till I'm ready. Wise man. Wiser than me. Where's my wife? You promise not to try and fix things? Nope, can't promise that. Now roll your eyes and tell me where she is. She's at the studio, cleaning up to turn over the keys. Thank you. Beth doesn't need a hero, Randall. Just be there for her. You know, it's kind of your best quality. Please, I don't want to talk about grants or loans or how we can save this place that can't be saved.
there's, there's not one way in which it looks like to do less in a relationship. But there is a piece that says, I am okay in a relationship when you need me to do something differently for you, or whatever that is. And that could, again, space, time, distance, qualities, whatever it is. And the invitation, I think, is to dance. It's to dance with the people that you're in relationship with, even when you do not agree, even when you do not see things the same. And what we end up seeing is perichoresis. It is a term that defines or tries to describe who God is. God is Father, God is Son, God is Holy Spirit. We have God, we have Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. And at any point in our life, what is happening, what they're trying to describe is that he is dancing with us. That he is always in and around the space, but there are moments in our life when God steps in to be a bit more close. And then there's moments where Jesus takes center stage. And there's moments when the Holy Spirit takes center stage. And and no matter what, though, he is dancing with us. He is is working in and around us. And even he, even the, the motherly attributes of God, there are moments when those he is inviting us in to dance. And in the challenge of relationship with God and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit, he is asking us to dance. Even when we don't fully understand why, even when we don't, we we just want to question everything that's going on, when we feel like he is far from us, when we're navigating grief and pain and loss, when we're celebrating and in seasons of joy, he knows exactly what we need in that season if we're open to dancing. Can we trust that we can take his hand and that he is going to meet us exactly where we are? And then from that place of being danced with, can then we then trust that he is also dancing in other people's lives? And it's not on us to do everything. It's not us to fix everything. It's not us on us to make the relationship work. And I know that some of this is so nuanced that it is super hard when we're talking about relationships that have ended. When there there are relationships that have just stopped. And this isn't the answer to everything. But can we be people that dance? Can we be people that open our hands and graciously dance with others to the challenges of relationships? Because God is dancing with us. So I pray that in this, again, I just point us to relationships are messy. But if we can be people that can dance, I believe that God can do more in and through our relationships than we ever can by doing everything. And sometimes it means that we just need to do more.